Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. Carry on and plan the sequel, cause let's face it, baby, these days you gotta have a sequel. Ah! And welcome back to Micro Queers. It's your monthly queer horror short roundup, and I'm Joe. And I'm Trace, and we are discussing Brock Cravey's Innocent Boy Joe, and who boy, um, I was exhausted after this one. <laughs> yeah, it's an 11-minute short, uh, as you said, written and directed by Brock Cravey, but there's simultaneously a lot going on here, and also nothing at all, question mark? You know, I, I, I am loath to say nothing at all. I think there is a lot, you're right, there's a lot going on cramped into 11 minutes. There's just not a very distinct narrative thread holding it all together, like, it's mm-hmm. not slice of life, but it's almost like, I don't know. It's one bad night in a Texas brothel, basically. I mean, brothel slash drug den, opioid, mm-hmm. meth den? I'm not really sure what the drug is. I think it's opioids. <laughs> okay, well, here's the logline for folks who have not watched the short. Off a lonely Texas highway, a group of hustlers prey on the desperados who have come for sex, drugs, and mama, played by Michael Vincent Berry's Special Milk. When a murderous cowboy, played by Cammy Bruder, rolls into town, a young trans boy, who is actually played by non-binary actor Unique Jenkins, quickly sees an opportunity to feed the physical and emotional hunger that has long been ignored by the neglectful mama. As the boys begin to fall one by one, Penny is caught between the cowboy's lustful rage and the greed and corporation that Mama represents. And I'm not going to lie, even that description alone makes it sound like way more happens than actually does, because most of this is a vibe. Like, that makes it seem like there's a concrete narrative, and I would argue that this is more about the visual aesthetic. Yeah, no, this is like, this movie, this movie, this, this short made me feel very gross. Um, <laughs> okay. and that, that clearly is the effect. I also think too, that I mean, look, we're talking about this as a queer horror short, and I think this is really towing the line between genres because, you know, when we think horror, you're like, okay, cool people getting murdered. Like we're trying to get scared. There's no traditional scares in this short, right? But it is a horror story that it's about these really horrific real life things. So mm-hmm. I kind of love that as we're, you know, getting further into the, the 21st century, we're seeing a lot more films under the genre umbrella that can be labeled as horror, but they're not the traditional horror of what we are used to, right? With our slashers, with our monster movies and things like that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the short, there's definitely several murders and mm-hmm. there's a lot of depression. Gravity, I would argue. But yeah, I think this is treading the line between Western. Some people have said it's set in a weird kind of dystopian future where money isn't being taken anymore. Like these sex workers are trading their services for things like uh, gold and rings and those kinds of things. So, um, or ranch flavored corn nuts. <laughs> I, I definitely take what you're saying that this isn't traditionally horror, but to me... 
I don't know. I mean, this is a uniquely Texan set short, right? Like, it's based on a production company that is actively trying to do more queer work, more genre work in the state. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it definitely has that sort of unique flavor to it. Oh, I mean, it is wholly unique. And actually, it's funny because the vibe I was getting from this is actually a lot of Rob Zombie stuff, like House of the Descent Corpses mixed with Devil's Rejects. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe a little bit of Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of. Right. But then like this neon candy coated color amidst all this, you know, horrific imagery, right? Uh huh. So one of the things that tends to come out in reviews of the short, which is award winning, it's played at a number of different uh, queer festivals, horror film festivals, and so on. People often tend to single out the cinematography by Carissa Leach. And mm. I would argue that that is the short film's main selling feature. Like, if your bag, like me, is narrative, this one maybe feels a little bit underwhelming or just confusing. Yeah. But it is shot through with neon lighting. It's got a kind of Vaseline filter over parts of it. It's very smooth and technically accomplished in a way that you're like, well, I don't really know what's going on, but visually I'm totally entranced. Which is interesting, though, because, again, you have this kind of like very sleek, quote unquote, gorgeous visuals, but juxtaposed against all this nastiness. I mean, sure. (laughs) I don't know about you, too, because I I had some trouble figuring out the relationship between some of these characters. So, you know, we have the the mama. And then Mm -hmm. we have Penny, who's our black trans boy. But then we have this meth head uh, hustler and a murderous cowboy. So it's like, Mm -hmm. again, I had to watch this a couple times. It's like, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) What's what's going on here? And it's kind of a thing where it's like, well, maybe it's not like one thing leads to another. It's just this is a day in the life of these people or a night in the life, I guess. (laughs) yeah i mean when you start to dig into it you'll understand that this is either some kind of bordello or sex worker kind of halfway house that is (sighs) mama is keeping her employees under control by feeding them what i think you and i talked about offline is being maybe opioids in breast milk Yes. So she's drugging these young boys and and forcing them into sex work, maybe against their will. That much isn't really discussed. But it's also very clear that Mama has favorites, right? So Gabriel, who is played by Sal Vasquez, is the new favorite we see. They are, are basically just completely drugged out for the entire short. Mm-hmm. And we can see that Cooter, who is the kind of meth head that you talked about, who is played right. by Ian Michaels... He's the one who is maybe more actively soliciting. Uh, We see him with two different clients. One is the cowboy that doesn't end well. One is uh, a woman who pays him with a ring or an earring. Mm. And then, yeah, we've got Penny, who is kind of clearly there, but obviously unhappy with feeling like they've been abandoned by Mama. And they've got a contentious relationship with Cooter. So... But all of this you have to parse out based just yes. on what's happening. Like, none of this is actually being explained, and it's not to a level of detail we would normally expect to see. Yeah, you know, very, very, I mean, again, when it, because it ends kind of abruptly, you know, I mean, it ends, I'm mean, spoiler alert, everyone, with Penny uh, uh, stabbing Mama to death after Mama has just, uh, I want to say, protected Penny by killing this murderous cowboy. Um, uh-huh. But I was very unclear to so yeah, why was Penny killing Mama, especially after Mama had this whole thing where she's like, oh, like, Mama loves all her children. 
outside of just, yeah, like she's playing favorites and Penny feels abandoned. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those cases where you almost feel like if the short was a little bit longer, we could have unpacked some of this. And yet even at 11 minutes, it sometimes feels too long because it's more, I think, interested in exploring its own tone and visuals as opposed to saying like this is a short that to me doesn't have a lot of interest in telling a super cohesive narrative. Oh, no, no, no. This is what I mean. I mean, this to me is a poster child for an experimental short, right? Like, I got the vibe off of this, and I'm pretty sure I felt the way the film wanted me to feel. Was I 100% clear on everything? No, but again, I don't really know if that's the point. I don't think that's the point at all. Yeah, and I think, to me, that's part of the problem as well. Like, Mm -hmm. I appreciate that the filmmaker Brock Gravy is on record as saying, you know, I wanted to do more work in queer horror. You know, they're very much an advocate for the genre. Like, this short comes out in 2020, right before the pandemic, and it got a lot of attention, but it has been behind a firewall for almost the entire time that our podcast has been on the air, so we haven't Mm -hmm. been able to cover it. Mm -hmm. But I'll confess I was a bit surprised that it's gotten as warm a reception as it has, because to me, this doesn't feel as groundbreaking as a lot of the reviews that I saw and even Cravey's own comments seem to say. Like, as you said, it's experimental, it's well done, but I feel like some of the shorts that we've covered have actually been able to communicate more or do more. Like, this is very much a, we didn't want to tell a queer story by focusing on bad things happening to queers. It's just bad things happening to people who happen to be queer. And I'm like, cool, that's respectable. But also, I don't think that this short has anything to say, and that frustrates me. Um, you know, I, I, I can, I mean, I, I agree with you a little bit on this. Uh, I do think that the, the novelty, for lack of a better term, is kind of coming from the subject of this film. I mean, how often do we have protagonists in a film be a group of impoverished uh, people like this? You know, I mean, not just queer people, but I'm talking like people who are really in the drug industry, right? And I, I just, I get it. I, there, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel. Think or feel about any of these characters, really. That that is my issue at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm also wondering how much of how much is my not aversion to this, but my reticence to be like, yeah, go movie, uh, is because I just don't like. I, I'm uncomfortable watching the, this these group of people. This makes me very uncomfortable. Well, I'm curious because let's unpack that. Like, I know that the subject matter is. A little bit grimy it's a little bit mm-hmm. dirty and that kind of stuff but we've seen characters like this before you know you mentioned things like rob zombie i know you've seen all yeah. of his films we talked about them in various iterations on the podcast so mm-hmm. is there something particularly unique about this that makes you feel that way I don't know. Maybe it's the addition of sex work into it. Like, I mean, again, like with the guy getting fucked in the back of the uh, of the truck before getting murdered, but like he's also like doing meth the whole time. I'm just kind of like, mm-hmm. I I just yeah, like this is just very gross to me. And but I don't know, like how how would this? Because I, I I get what you're saying. How the lack of a narrative or uh, the lack of a thing to say is a sticking point for you. Uh, is there a feature film that you could compare this to? Because I'm trying to think of a film where it has been more of like a in this fever dream uh, where there's not really a narrative focus to it, but there is something to say. 
I mean, I think the closest for me, just in terms of the overall mood, but also the visuals, would probably be Jan Gonzalez's Knife Plus Heart, or maybe his short Islands, which people can watch on Shudder. And the reason that I prefer that is because we are doing some really interesting visuals, like there's a lot of surreal imagery. I think off air, you said this feels a bit like a fever dream, and I definitely get that from moments of Jan Gonzalez's work. But there's a statement or there's an intentionality, like you can tell that there's a message behind that. Whereas here, as we said off the top, it just feels like, yeah, this is a bit of a slice of life. And I appreciate that not everything has to have a message or a point. But I guess when I'm seeing things like, oh, this is groundbreaking and it's winning a bunch of awards, my expectations of what it can slash should be delivering, and maybe this is more of a me thing than anyone Mm. else, I guess I'm I'm looking for a bit more than just, oh, cool, we're taking uh, disenfranchised and impoverished queer people, we're killing them, but not because they're queer, just because it's a bad situation. Well, okay, but like the way the, again, the, the, the film ends with Penny, you know, killing Mama, and like it's, we, we ended on her kind of, uh, not, not orgasmic face, but like it's a very almost cathartic face. Mm-hmm. That would imply that Penny is the protagonist of this out of all the other oh, characters. Oh, for sure. So we are, we are following mm-hmm. Penny's story. So Penny is trapped in this in this family with Mama, and he wants to get out, uh, mm-hmm. and he does at the end. So th- there's your point A to point B, right? But the film does nothing more to kind of expand upon that, which I guess you could say, well, Trace, it's a short, so we don't have time mm-hmm. to do that. But I don't know. Do you, this almost feels more like a proof of concept for a potential feature film than anything else to me. Yeah, that's entirely possible. And of course, as we talked about numerous times on Micro Queers, that is frequently part of the intention right it's like if people respond to this enough if it gets enough acclaim or attention potentially they could find a financier and it becomes something bigger and maybe that is the case i don't know i mean i think the pandemic derailed a lot of people's plans over what they could accomplish so we haven't seen any word about expanding this or turning this into something new i do want to bring up one other piece that bothers Mm -hmm. me about the short and This was made, as I said, in 2020. Well, it was released in 2020. It was probably filmed then in 2019. Mm -hmm. But one of the things it got a certain amount of accolades for is that uh, these actors are are all from the queer community. The crew primarily identifies as queer as well. I'm frustrated that even in 2019-2020, we're casting a non-binary actor to play a trans lead and that that annoyed me because in part they celebrated the short by being like well this is the first film that we've ever seen a black trans lead in and i'm like okay but why don't we have a black trans actor in that role right 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 um yeah i don't have really an answer for you there or <laughs> it's gonna like make you feel better about this i still think it's worth noting i mean again like this is not an insignificant step forward for queer horror mm-hmm. or just film in general. But I, I understand your uh, your issue with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're on the cuffs now where when we see trans characters on screen, we want to see that representation because we know that there's now, and there probably always was, a stable of actors who are ready and willing to do that work, right? So... This is probably just me getting up on my soapbox and saying like, hey, did you do your due diligence to try to find somebody? But we're still really just only coming to that point. But part of me is like, 
well, this isn't like 2010. It's not 2015. Like, this is just a couple of years ago. Pose was on the air at this point. Like, <laughs> we we were making strides towards trans representation. I would have just liked to have seen that. Well, and nevertheless, I mean, everything behind the camera is very queer as well, because not only is uh, the writer-director brought Cravey queer, but also the... Um, the distributor. Uh, so we have AJ Mattioli's Mattioli Productions, but Mattioli is trans. And mm-hmm. of course, the, the distributor, their company focuses specifically on queer stories. So right. I, again, it's it's kind of a give and take. I, obviously, yes, it would be nicer to have an actual like trans actor playing this, tra- this trans character. But mm-hmm. given the the queerness of everyone involved with this, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to be like, you know what? It's okay. But still acknowledge that there is an issue there, I guess. Yeah. And and to be honest, I don't know that it would have bothered me as much, uh, but I was actually reading over a list by Logan Ashley Kisner, and uh, this is a trans man who's actively done a lot of work in compiling notes on trans representation in horror. Mm-hmm. And he specifically makes a mention of like, you know, you could have just solved this by saying like, we're, we've cast a non-binary actor, so why not make the character non-binary? non-binary. Because in the space of the film, the fact that this innocent boy is trans is immaterial, right? Like the film doesn't want to focus on that. So then why did you go out of your way to say like, oh, well, we've got this black trans character. It's like, well, but Mm. you don't make a big deal out of it. So just make it a black non-binary. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Well, um, there's always next time. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, I, I think it's just more... If people want to go big on on talking the talk, I'm like, okay, well, I'm also going to make sure that you're walking the walk. But I think that there's a lot of promise here. And I think the fact that people have responded to it so much proves that there is that that interest. So I'm really excited to see what this this collective Brock Cravey and the distributor are going to put forward next, because they clearly have an interest in being involved in the genre. Oh, yeah. And again, while this particular short isn't necessarily my cup of tea, because again, once we reach into fever dream territory, I'm kind of like, ooh, like, Mm -hmm. that's... You struggle. Yeah. Yeah, I struggle (laughs) with the abstractness of it all. But but nevertheless, though, do I think this is a really good piece of filmmaking just from a pure technical perspective? Absolutely. Uh, And... When it comes to would I watch a feature-length version of this, uh, it really depends on how it was told. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I have to have a straightforward narrative here, but if it was just this... Maybe a bit more. Yeah, I needed a bit more. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I would be intrigued and I would watch it. But like, again, am I clamoring for a 90-minute version of this 11-minute short? Ooh, I'm not really sure, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sort of on the fence as well. I would want to see a little bit more of a narrative through line but part of me is just like you know what maybe it's just not our cup of tea collectively and i'm very curious to hear what listeners have to say about this i will confess we don't often get a lot of feedback from our micro queers coverage so i really do hope that people if you have checked this out let us know does this work for you if so why and if it doesn't tell us why because i'm intrigued like short films are often doing riskier weirder more unique things and i'm curious to know if it clicks with people yeah i i agree so until next time we can cross out innocent boy indeed and cross out micro queers 